For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Jeff Fedotin with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in Casey and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valero and I break down the Raiders because it's Raiders week. But Joe, before we uh, get into that, a little bit of housekeeping. We are talking a couple uh, pods ago about during our mid-season report, the State of the Chiefs, and we were both saying how Russell Wilson was the MVP, so valuable to his team. A couple weeks after that, Wilson now has 10 interceptions um, on the season. Um, it, it was funny. I was actually texting you about this. I'm like, well, maybe Mahomes is the MVP. And right when I did that, Wilson threw a 50-yard touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> but even with that touchdown, again, he has the 10 interceptions. Mahomes yeah. has one on the season. I kind of think right now Mahomes is the MVP. My thought after you made all those comments, Jeff, is let's start talking really good things about all of Patrick Mahomes' competition for MVP, <laughs> and we will ourselves turn the tide on Patrick Mahomes winning in the MVP. Maybe he'll give us a little of the bonus money that he gets for, for winning that. But, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think he's slowly but surely week after week becoming more and more the front runner, right? I mean, look, you know, people – People love success, but they also, you know, the, not to be negative, but a lot of times people don't like dynasties and they don't like success too, right? There's a, there's a, it's a double-edged sword because you want other people to get that recognition. But I, I think it's going to be, if he continues to go the way that he's going and the way he's playing, regardless of what anybody else plays, Patrick Mahomes is going to start becoming clearly the MVP candidate, right? I mean, because of what he's doing consistently week in and week out. And hey, I think sometimes people just want it to be somebody else, you know, hey, let's throw Russell Wilson in there because he's had such a great career and maybe he deserves it this year. And, you know, Patrick's only 24 years old and 25 years old and he'll, he'll win more. So let's give it to the old guy. Like you don't know what's going on in the mentality of people when they're talking about giving accolades and things like that. Um, so, you know, let, let's see, let's see what happens obviously, but you know, if we keep talking about all these, uh, comp, all the competition, maybe, maybe we single-handedly can can get Patrick to the MVP spot. But he's definitely showing that he is he is the most valuable player to the league at this point and to to his team, um, based on his play. And clearly, we we have that kind of power if we talk up his opposition. I'm sure that's directly going to result in him getting it. And uh, you know, the one point that we agreed on, we never. We, 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 we think Mahomes is the best player in the NFL, or at least, you know, the best quarterback. It's more that you take Wilson away from the Seahawks. I don't think they're a playoff team. I think the Chiefs are still a playoff Seahawks for the rest of the season. They're done. You know what I mean? And like you said, I agree with you wholeheartedly. The Chiefs 
God forbid something happens to Patrick, he misses a few games or he was out for the season. The Chiefs have enough weapons, they have enough chemistry, they have enough going on that they're going to get to the playoffs and, and make a deep run. So there's your thing. How do you define it? How this goes for the Chiefs. And this week is going to be pivotal to Patrick Mahomes' not just his MVP status and his, uh, you know, working towards that kind of uh, accolade. It's going, to be, it's going to be a challenge for the Chiefs in general this week and, and to see to test their mettle uh, and see what they, you know, what they come out of going on the road to, to Vegas. Totally. And before we delve into this matchup against the Raiders, the NFL is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. We just talked about Mahomes' MVP chances, and Bet Online has um, the odds on favorite at plus 180 followed by Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, and Ben Roethlisberger in succession. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, And Joe, before we break down, because like you said, this is such a juicy matchup, Sunday night football, Mm. uh, great rivals. I'm curious for you, you played during the Marty Schottenheimer era when he just dominated uh, the Raiders. Do you remember how many times, did you lose to the Raiders? Did you always beat them or do you you, uh, remember? I remember one season, oh, and I can't believe I, I, you know, obviously could pull this up on the internet, but let me see if I can do it off of memory. I believe it was my rookie year. We played the Raiders three times. We played them in, in, in the playoffs um, back right. to back. If you mm-hmm. remember that, we, if, if the fans can remember back that, you know, uh, that far, we, so it was a 91 season, which would have been, you know, like January of 92, we played them on the last game of the year and if something happened, another team won and, and there was like some other little like intangibles that needed or not intangible, some contingencies that needed to happen. And then we ended up playing them the next week in the playoffs and won. I remember losing in 1992 um, when we played them in LA at the Coliseum. Um, I was fortunate enough to start in that game and go against Howie Long for most of the game. Um, what was happening is we had, we were decimated up front uh, Timmy Grunhard was out. Uh, we had some injuries at right tackle. I think, uh, you know, Rich Baldinger was at the end of his career and he was hurt. And what was happening and what I did, Jeff, which was a very unique thing, is on first and second downs, I would play center. And then on third downs, if we were in a passing situation and we tried to mask it a little bit, you didn't want to do it on every third down, but I would go on third down in most situations, I would go out and play right tackle Mm -hmm. so that I could could pass protect um, against Howie. And then Connie Kawhi, who was an undersized center who was also doing some long snapping, would come in at center. And he would come in and, and, and he would do the center position. So we were actually flipping positions around. At one point, at one point, Howie Long was like, he came up to me. He's like, hey, 73, w- w- line up, would you? Like, would you just line up in one spot? Because, you know, a lot of times the defensive linemen, they're looking to line up based on who comes out of the huddle and where they come out of. You know, and on first and second down, I'm coming out at center. And then on third down, I'm coming out at right tackle. And it was crazy. So I would have to switch my whole mentality from, you know, playing center on those first two downs 
and then get into pass protection mode on third. And I remember we did lose that game. Uh, we got behind a little bit. That was the game where I think I've told you the story before where, you know, Howie, I was just, you know, I was a young player, second mm-hmm. year, you know, Howie was just throwing me around and, and he was just taking advantage of a lot of things and the pass protection stuff. Cause we were in, we were in shotgun most of the game and, and we were in third, we were in third down two minute drill for most of the second half. And at one point, you know, how he complained to the official, he said, sir, he said, uh, number 73 just got away holding me on that play. He was holding me on that. And how he never complained to officials. And I, you know, I went right up to between him, between Howie and the official. And I said, uh, excuse me, guys, with all due respect, I'm getting away with holding on every play against <laughs> Howie. So yeah, he, he was, he was a handful. That was his last season. It was a pro bowl season. So yeah, you know, that Raiders. So I do remember losing to them, but you're right. For the most part, you know, we could certainly obviously look it up. The, the Marty's record during that era was unbelievable against the chiefs. I mean, I mean, against the Raiders, uh, he, he, you know, he just, it was just a dominant game for us. I, I think a lot of it, we've talked about this before Raider week was an emotional uh, ride for us. Um, you know, it was, we were still in the, in the nineties living off of those seventies and eighties rivalries that they had. Um, you know, who doesn't, you know, hear the, the Raider theme song from NFL films, you know, when, when, when you come out of the tunnel. So, it was it was uh, it was something to behold, and I think it's back. I really do, and I'm excited for all fans to see that Chiefs rival Chiefs Raiders rivalry back because it's a great one, and I'm so glad they didn't break up the AFC West uh, when they moved Seattle out of the AFC and didn't move one of the Chiefs or you know or the Raiders as a team out of that because I think this the Chargers Raiders Chiefs and Broncos is is really every one of those games is special. Totally. And to speak to that domination that uh, Marty Schottenheimer did have over the Raiders that we talked about that you played in many of these games from 1989 uh, to 1998, Schottenheimer posted an 18-3 record against the Raiders. Just amazing. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. What's also amazing that same stat, 18 or the same number, 18-3, and that is what Andy Reid is in games after buy, um, which, you know, I think that's one of the reasons I'm pretty confident about this game. I, I just can't see – I Raiders are a good team, and we'll talk about some of the uncertainties of who's going to be there uh, for both teams. But Andy Reid is so good off the buy, 18-3 and three in regular season games following the bye week. And I just – I think the Chiefs are going to be so prepared and so motivated considering this is the one, the team that gave them the one loss uh, on the season. Yeah. And, you know, John Gruden didn't help uh, with the bulletin board material with the whole victory lap thing. Right. I mean, I know a lot of Chiefs fans want, want revenge, exact revenge off of this loss that happened earlier in the season. Um, You know, so there's, there's that going into it too. So the, the emotions are going to be high. Uh, you know, it's going to be, you know, the Chiefs are going on the road. It's three straight home games for the Raiders. So they've kind of got that going for them. They're probably pretty well rested. They haven't had to get on the road or disrupt their schedule uh, as much as, uh, you know, if you, if you had an away game or two thrown in there in the mix of these, of these three games. So I think, you know, that, like you said, the Chiefs coupled that coupled with the Chiefs by, you know, maybe that negates, that out a little bit and you know we go into this game I mean you know look not that not that it's all about Vegas but you know it's seven seven point lines a touchdown I mean I that's that can go either way right it's not like a nine point they're not a nine point favorite or a ten point favorite where somebody's saying all right it's going to take two scores to 
for the Raiders to beat the Chiefs. Um, you know, it, again, Jeff, like you said, it comes down to the uncertainties of who's going to play, who's out there. This COVID thing's getting a little – I'm starting to get a little worried about it. You know, I'm starting – we're starting to see more and more, you know, contact tracing, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, COVID injured – injured reserve placements where they're putting them on the COVID watch list based on whether they test positive, or I know there's some subtle differences between whether somebody tests positive or whether they actually just are, you know, in a contact tracing mode where they've been exposed to somebody who had COVID or thought they may have had COVID. So there's all these little subtleties and, you know, not knowing up until game time, who's going to play is, is crazy, right? I mean, that's, that, that can't be helping the prognosticators. It can't be helping Vegas, and it certainly um, can't be helping to game plan, right, against, against the team not knowing who's going uh, to be out there. One of the challenges, I'm sure, with – we talked about the positives. Andy Reid is so good at getting his guys to recharge, including his coaching staff and coming up with a game plan after a bye. In this strange year, I'm sure it is challenging during a bye when you, you know, don't have practice. No, like, it's tough. You're probably – even if you're doing the right things, you know, you're not at the facility as much. It's probably easier – to get exposed or to be into contact with somebody. Um, and Joe, I also had a question, you know, you, you mentioned uh, that uh, story that really surfaced this week about how uh, the Raiders did their victory lap in the bus around the Have you ever heard of during your playing days, did you hear about teams doing that or things like that? Is that, how unusual is that? Oh, uh, you know, n- nothing like, nothing that I'm going to call it, an actionable item, right? Uh Look, there's always bulletin board material, right? There's always something that slips out from somebody. They say something about a player that they don't like, or, you know, someone exchanged words on the field the last time a team played. Mm -hmm. And then they come back and say something to the media about that matchup and how they're going to make predictions about what they're going to do. But like to actually (laughs) actively, like say, all right, you know, apparently, you know, Coach Gruden was ticked off because a bus driver made a snide comment and and he's like, all right, well, I'm going to drive you around then. We're going to take a victory lap around this stadium. Like, you know, how like an actionable item comes out like that is I think what amazes me. I, I can't remember in the six years that I played that somebody, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's not like, uh, you know what, I lied. I've seen some other ones like, but maybe ones I haven't particularly been involved in, you know, you remember when, you know, uh, uh, you know, they, they went and, and I guess it was Baker Mayfield, right. Went and, and, you know, stomped on, on the logo, right. Or planned you know, the, plan the flag, right. Yeah. Like, planned the flag. Right. And, and, you know, sometimes you'll, you know, sometimes the, the Florida state will they'll throw the, mm-hmm. you know, the Seminole spear down in the middle of the field or something like there's some of those things, but usually it's more, that's more about like traditional things. Um, very often, very seldom, I should say, do do players or coaches actually do something to, <laughs> to tick people off and to provide that bulletin board material. So you know that's going to be you know that's going to be a um, that's going to be a talk. Andy Andy's going to be talking about that. You know, there is Coach Bags. You know, Eric Bieniemy and his offensive and and Coach Bags' defensive means going to be talking about the victory lap, right? They're going to why not, right? They're going to they're going to use whatever they can to get teams to get their players extra motivated for this game. Not that you need extra motivation playing the Raiders, but you know, it, it's 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 going to be interesting to see if that you know comes out in in the Sunday night you know football primetime sort of uh, you know 
pre-talk that goes on throughout the day and then leading up to this game, because which is great that it's going to be a primetime game. It's about time, right, to be on the national stage. It's a lot of people are going to want to see, number one, Patrick Mahomes, because everybody loves to watch this offense, and they want to see how this, you know, this one lost team holds up and also to take part in, in what has been a great rivalry over the years, and that's the Raiders. So I think it's going to be a well-watched game, and I think it's going to be much anticipated. And I can't wait to see what everybody says leading up to it if they, if they make a big, bigger story out of the, the victory lap than maybe it even was. You know, Joe, I love it because this is such a great rivalry, but we had gotten to a stage, you know, the Chiefs had won 10 yeah. of the last 11 versus the Raiders, had beaten them seven straight times at Arrowhead before losing this season. So I love that this rivalry got an extra uh, bit of juice, you know? Like, th- this would make some fun. You know, I want a little bad blood between these guys. You know? Absolutely. This is what the AFC West is about. This is what the NFL rivalry is about. And this is why when, you know, the NFL realigned, this is why they kept the rivalries the way they did. You know, I mean, it's why all logic, pointed against the Cowboys staying in the NFC East, right? I mean, what the heck are they doing in NFC East? But, you know, they couldn't break up that Cowboys-Washington football team or Cowboys-Eagles rivalry or even the Giants and Cowboys. Like, you just have to keep a lot of that alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and that's what, you know, that's – I think you're right. That's what the NFL wants, and, and I think it's, it's what they've been looking for. And if they're going to take the risk of playing through all of this COVID stuff – then you know let's let's give people something to enjoy and maybe take their mind off of all the craziness that's going on in the world right now for you know for at least a Sunday or Monday or Thursday or playing NFL games whenever they want now at this point but you know um, you know just to keep, to keep people focused on it and you know you just hope that the players are staying safe and they're all doing the right thing um, and I I still think you know if the NFL wants this season to come to a, a real solid fruition. I'm starting to think more and more about about the whole bubble thing happening, maybe sooner rather than later. That's just even my even before bullet playoffs, maybe which uh, we we both think will happen at least uh, by the playoffs. Uh, Joe, we've talked a lot about how the playbook to beat the Chiefs is very thin. You know, it's, it's very tough to do. The Raiders did um, give somewhat of an example in that last game. You're never going to stop Mahomes, and he had his mm-hmm. he had his series of ridiculous only he can make uh, throws in that victory. But they sort of uh, contained him. Uh, you know, he he had the he had the third and fifteen where he rolled out left and threw across his body and completed a 23 yard pass to Travis Kelsey. He did all kinds of cr- crazy stuff. But by Mahomes standards, you know, they kept him. Uh, somewhat contained and we we know Josh Jacobs is a difficult matchup the Chiefs as great as they've been aren't great against the run and so he's gonna give them problems uh what really surprised me is the Raiders not only ran the ball but they threw the ball so well a lot of deep passes um Derek Carr had a big day uh and he kind of victimized the uh secondary there so I kind of see the key to this game is that the the deep passing game yeah they're, they're gonna the Raiders are gonna get some uh big chunks on the ground but you know teams have done that against the Chiefs and the Chiefs always win I think it's gonna be what happens with that deep passing game you know Ruggs Aguilar do those guys beat the Chiefs secondary again uh how do you see that checking out and do you agree that that is kind of the key to the game 
I, I agree wholeheartedly, Jeff. I think it's going to be a combination of what the Raiders can do with the pass and the run um, and how much they can start to suck up that defense in, and then take advantage of the, of the deep ball and make some big plays. Like you said, the, the Chiefs, I guess, you know, I don't want to use, overuse a cliche, but, you know, they're like a – they really are kind of a bend-don't-break defense, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you know, you can, you can chip away, get some yards, but they all – you know, Coach Spags always seems to come up with a big play at the right time, mm-hmm. second and long, third down. You know, he, they keep people from converting – um, which is, you know, that's just masterful coaching and it's putting all the right players in the right positions and doing the right scheme at just the right time. And that's magic, right, to be able to do that when you're, when you're kind of limited with the, the talent. When you look at what, you know, not to always go back to the teams of the 90s, but when you look at like a defense like we had back in the 90s versus what Coach Spax has now, I mean, there was, you know, you look at those, those Chiefs defense from 92 to 96, 98, they, they didn't have a, those defenses didn't have a weak spot. You know, there was there was no weak there was no weak link. Um, so, but I think also if I were to throw one extra little wrinkle into it for the Raiders and where their success might be, it's going to be in the red zone. You know, I think once once they are able to drive the ball down the field and as it gets tighter and tighter towards the end zone, right? We all know how hard it is to be successful in the red zone. Everybody thinks it's easy. Oh, well, you're 20 yards away, you know, mm-hmm. but when you're dealing with a short field like that, you know, regardless of whether you have a Josh Jacobs or, you know, whatever your co- receiving core looks like, you have to have the right scheme and the right talent to be successful in the red zone. Because as that field gets shorter and tighter, it gets a lot harder to come up with the right plays. And I think it's going to be, uh, you know, so if I were a fan, I would be watching for, okay, how are they using Josh Jacobs? Does you know, Gruden pound and pound and pound? And then just like when we beat the Eagles in 1992 as home underdogs, you know, just at the right time, does Derek Carr go deep when, when Coach Bags think, thinks the Raiders are going to run? And then you couple that with, I think fans need to be watching for that, the combination of what they do with Jacobs, like you had said, in the pass and run and going deep. But then also – really keeping an eye on what happens to this Chiefs team in the red zone. If You know, it's a big difference between kicking three and scoring seven or possibly eight if, you know, Coach Gruden decides to go for two at certain occasions. Um, that's a huge difference. And that I think to me that's going to be the, the game changer is that making sure that the bend-don't-break defense doesn't get it or they get it done in the red zone from, from Kansas City's perspective. I think that's really the whole key. Um, to the game. Totally. And, you know, you mentioned that Eagles-Chiefs game where the, the Chiefs went nuts going deep on the Eagles. That, by the way, one of my favorite – I was in attendance to that game wearing my Zubas Chiefs pants, <laughs> one of my favorite memories of national TV game. And everyone thought we were just going to run the ball, run the ball, you know, and be conservative. We just went <laughs> deep. Yeah. So fun. But uh, – the, you know, and then we haven't talked about the other side uh, of the ball. Again, Mahomes had a good game, a great game by anybody else's standards, but by Mahomes, you know, he threw his one interception of the season against the Raiders was 22 of 43 for 340 yards mm-hmm. and two touchdowns. I look for him that the Raiders are a good team, but their their defense, especially that pass defense, is a little suspect. So I look for him to have a very big game, a more of a vintage Mahomes game. Yeah, I think he's going to be ready. He's coming off a bye week, probably had plenty of time to prepare, 
look at tons of film, you know, and see how the Raiders have, what they've done over their last, you know, two, three, even five games um, and take advantage of, of the weak spots. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think I, you know, I went into this week really, and I know we talked about this before we started, started recording and, you know, we're, and obviously we, you know, our fans know we record midweekish, right? So, so today's Wednesday. So we still don't know what's going to happen with uh, some of the players that are on the COVID watch list. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think the more I'm looking at it and the more I'm thinking about it, you know, I think the Chiefs have enough depth at offensive line that I'm not overly concerned yet about what this could look like um, from, you know, missing too many of their offensive linemen, you know, whether Mitchell Schwartz gets this back healthy, whether he comes off the COVID list, you know, whether Eric Fisher comes off the list, you know, some of the new guys they pick up, they've picked up, come off the list. So, you know, I I think Patrick can get it done. Um, with 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 the group that he has and and the experience that they have with bringing in Mike Remmers and you know they've got a lot of depth now in the O line so I'm not as concerned about it as I was I you know I don't want it to extend into the season because you do need that chemistry up front as we go into the playoff run but for this particular game I'm not so worried about it because Patrick's so elusive right he knows how to mm-hmm. move around the pocket he knows how to get around you know I worry about the run game a little bit but you know they've been you know Nick Allegretti's been in there making big pushes. Um, you know, you got Le'Veon to spell uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So, you know, I, I think I think they've got all the right pieces to to win this game. But you know, Jeff, you just never know if if the Raiders keep pace with them, and 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 Derek Carr. Look, let's think about Derek Carr right now. Right, he's he's QB rating 107. He don't. You know, we were bragging about Patrick throwing one pick. He's only thrown two. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's he's he is playing really solid game management football right now. He's still right up there, bumping up against seventy percent completion rate. He's averaging, you know, seven and a half yards a throw. So they are they are finding their success in the mid range. Where that's my favorite place to throw the ball. You know, I, I love a deep ball. Who doesn't like to see a deep ball? But I like it when the Chiefs start stretching the field horizontally and they start using Travis and and their speed to to get those seven eight ten yard receptions right everybody loves to see the 80 yard bomb who doesn't but i think that's what the raiders they're starting to find their way if you look at the way they played in the last several games they're really attacking all parts of the field and if they can keep pace with the chiefs it could it could be another barn burner you know where where you know it's a it's a 20 high 20s to high 20s scoring game or it could be even in you know both teams in the low 30s um if if they can keep up with with uh with the chiefs if, if the raiders are successful in the red zone and like you had said they can get some of this combination of the run and pass going and and go deep so i think it's going to be a really good game i i feel really good about the chiefs winning it but i think it's you know, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a, a better game than people might think based on the Vegas line of, you know, what I think seven and a half might be the latest one I saw. One of the things that I think will help the Chiefs, even if Schwartz and or Fisher can't go, uh, the Raiders did pressure and, and did a good job against Mahomes in the first matchup, but their pass rush isn't great. Max Crosby is a really good young player, but besides him, uh, mm-hmm. the, the pass rush, uh, you know, isn't all, all that. So I think that that would help if the Chiefs have to miss uh, some guys or have the offensive line reshuffle, this could be a, a game where it doesn't um, hurt them too much. 
So, Joe, do you think then that the – you think the Chiefs win, but maybe by less than – say you think it's going to be a close game, it sounds like. I think so. I think it's going to be like a, a – you know, like one of those, uh, you know, 31, you know, 31 to like 24, like right at the line, mm-hmm. like right at that right. touchdown line that the that Vegas is calling for. I, th- I think they may, they may be on, I think Vegas might be onto something with that, with that betting line. So I'm thinking, you know, like a 31 to 24, maybe 31 to 28, you know, where, where the Raiders decide to like kick a field goal and make it 31 to 28. And then they don't get the ball back, like on an onside or something like that. I really do think it's going to be a good game. Listen, as a Chiefs fan, I know Chiefs fans don't want it to be, you know, we want the Chiefs to win 45 to nothing and Patrick to be out of the game by, you know, halftime so he can rest for the next week. But, you know, listen, these, you know, the Chiefs, the Raiders are playing well. You know, I know Andy's great off the bye week. Um, we're dealing with a lot of different contingencies with, you know, no crowd and, you know, you got COVID watch lists and, and, and the Chiefs got a couple of injuries, you know, key injuries here and there. I just think it's going to be a little bit of a closer game. I really do. Um, I, think, I think they're both going to be very emotionally ready, uh, at least from a spirited emotion mm-hmm. to, to play in this game. And, and now that this, this rivalry is back, which, which is exciting for fans. So exciting. I, I'm pretty I, – like you, I think it's going to be a close game about that margin. But I'm pretty confident the Chiefs winning. I'm actually – I've been saving them all season in our Believe Survivor Pool. I'm actually going to finally use the Chiefs this weekend. There you go. Not a lot of other matchups that are real convincing either way. And I really just think Andy Reid off a bye. I think the Chiefs will be so motivated after losing to the Raiders and even – this <laughs> the victory bus thing. Uh, yeah. And I think they'll be rested and, and uh, ready to go. I'd be, I'd be very surprised if, if the chiefs don't pull this out, even though I think it'll be a close game. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so too, Jeff. Unfortunately, I, I already used, uh, I already used the, the chiefs. So I, I can't use them in our, in our, in our survivor pool. I hope, I hope everybody's having fun with their survivor pools this year. I'm, I'm trying to look at, I actually don't hold this against me fans, but I did, I, I've run out of teams. I'm, I'm still holding my own in, in our, in the two pools that uh, Jeff and I are participating in and having a lot of fun with, but I did go with the chargers this week uh, against the jets, the sad, the sad 0 and 8, 0 and 9 jets, the chargers at two and seven, right? I just, it was the la- it was basically the best pick that I could make. Um, so don't, don't hold me against that uh, chiefs fans that I'm actually uh, will be, will be in some weird way rooting for the chargers. But um you know, I think uh, you know this. This would have been a, a, a definitely a good week to go with the Chiefs. Unfortunately, I I used them back in uh, in week seven. So, and uh, you know that's a good point. I I was thinking about using the, the Chargers. They always seem to snatch um, defeat from the jaws of victory. So it gets yeah. so I was a little nervous. And I think that's a a, a good point to kind of end on. You know, the Broncos are really struggling. The Chargers, to their credit, have found their quarterback, but they just they don't know how to win. Mm-hmm. The AFC West is definitely Chiefs and Raiders. And that's kind of the way it should be. It's, that's what it's going to come down to. Yeah, I think that's what the fans really, really like. And, and I think that's what the NFL needs right now. And, and I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, as are all Chiefs fans. Well, if you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.